Hello, London. Your radio's tuned to Resonance 104.4 FM. My name's Jack Thurston, and this is The Bike Show. Four wheels, move the baby along. Three wheels, when you're growing strong. Two wheels, when you're getting tall. One wheel, watch out, you're gonna fall. I like the feel of the wind as it blows so free. Blow so free. I feel that this is the way it should always be. Always be. The sky's so blue above. I think that I'm in love with my ten-speed I like to pedal all around my town. I like to race without an engine sound. My bike is my best friend. I know I can depend on my ten-speed wheels. I like to watch the world as it passes by. The sounds around me sing of the earth and sky. This is the way to ride through the countryside on my ten-speed wheels. My ten-speed wheels. Wouldn't trade this feeling for a pot of Ah, it's good to be back. It's been a long, long break since the depths of the winter when um, I went off air. And I have to say, I've not really been on the bike as much as I thought I might um, when I hung up the headphones. Um, But that is all about to change because I sense that summer is here, just around the corner. And I think 2010 is going to be the year where London really goes bicycle crazy. We're finally getting a bicycle hire scheme like the Velib in Paris. The Mayor of London is painting the town blue with his cycle superhighways or superficial highways as some wags have dubbed them. Britain has got a top class pro bicycle team and uh, a man in Brad Wiggins who is capable one day I think of winning the Tour de France. And there are bike shops, cycle cafes and all other kinds of bicycle things going on around town everywhere you look. And there are more people cycling than ever before, certainly than ever I can remember. It's good. It's really good. So it's good to be back in the saddle with the bike show and an early summer season that's going to run for the next six weeks or so. In the show today, we're going to be looking ahead to the Dunwich Dynamo and talking about art and bicycling. But first, a trip to Berlin one of Europe's great cities, of course, and also a place that is still far, far ahead of London in terms of cyclability. I was in Berlin a couple of weeks ago and was lucky enough to get stranded there because of that volcanic ash cloud. Also stranded at the same time as me was Helen Pidd of The Guardian newspaper, who writes a lot for the paper and The Guardian blog about cycling and has a book coming out called Bicycle. Um, That's coming out in a few weeks. She and I were joined by Matt Tempest, a long-time friend and contributor to The Bike Show, um, who is now living in Berlin. I started by asking Helen what her impressions were of cycling in the German capital. 
First of all, it's completely different from London. You know, I spend a lot of time in London trying to persuade people how safe it is and not dangerous at all, but you come here and you just realise it's a different world. I mean, everything is set up for bicycling and there's pavements here that are as wide as most London streets. And it's just a different... Yeah, just a different atmosphere. People take, th- take it a lot slower and it's just a far better place to cycle. Matt, were you surprised or were you expecting this when you moved to Berlin? You came from Paris, so you had some experiences of uh, Paris as well as London. Yeah, I kind of knew it was like this. It's one of the main reasons I wanted to live here because uh, cycling's just all pervasive. And you look out and see not just young males, you know, cycling around. It's, it's trails of children in trailers and on little toddler bikes going to primary school. So, you know, once you've reached that level of safety and critical mass of the population cycling you really don't have any safety worries and it's because it's it's because mostly segregated cycle lanes with their own junctions so you never see a helmet nobody kind of worries too much about even if you've got lights because it's a very very safe and all-encompassing cycle network but the streets here are pretty wide yeah and so it's possible to have all that extra space for cyclists whether it's on the pavement or whether it's on the road carriageway itself i mean we're sitting here just in a fairly kind of residential area and it's you know great big boulevards practically this isn't really a way for london to develop is it helen no not unless there's a war and half of our city gets wiped out i mean that is the real that's the real benefit of berlin that's why it's it can be like this because 90 percent of the town was was destroyed i mean, you know we all agree that in london we need to, that something needs to be done to make cycling safer but i don't know realistically how you can do it unless you knock down huge huge numbers of houses i guess you could take away some of the parking spaces and and have maybe parking only on one side of the street or turn streets into one way for cars and two ways for bikes is that way yeah i mean you could do that but i can't imagine any politician seriously uh, putting that forward as an idea the car lobby is so strong you know and the councils also make a lot of money from the parking um well i saw the other day that ukip if they if they get elected they want to start charging cyclists to park which i thought was quite jolly (laughs) so what kind of bikes are people riding matt in berliners Um, What's a well, typical Berliner ride? Sensible bikes, you know, they kind of sit up and beg with a basket and a rack and mudguards and a stand and uh, dynamo lights. And then you get the hipsters on kind of old salvage races and uh, and stuff. The, the bike you don't see, which is like the common or garden bike in London, is, is the mountain bike. It's really quite rare, although you get some fatter tyres because of the cobbles. People are just using bikes in a more kind of utilitarian, excuse me, utilitarian fashion. Really, it's just you know getting from A to B a bit normal. I've seen a few fixies, but it doesn't seem to have uh, taken off here nearly as much. Maybe because of the cobbles again. You don't want skinny tyres. I saw quite a lot more fixed gear bicycles and track bikes a couple of years ago when I was here, and this time I've been quite surprised by all the fashionistas riding these um, as Matt said salvaged five speed and ten speed racers Um, I think that's possibly the way things are going in other centers of um, urban cycling culture New York and London and San Francisco people are putting gears on their bikes we've seen the end of the end of the fixed gear fad Mm. well yeah I I think so I think it's useful having gears although actually in Berlin there's only one hill that I can think of in the Victoria Victoria bag is that what it's called in Clydesburg so you don't necessarily need them but I guess you know these things come and go don't they these sort of fleeting trends and how do people cope with the bad weather it was very interesting over the winter that Berlin had what a lot of people said was its most brutal winter in about 50 years 
and we had 10 weeks of snowdrifts, ice, nobody could cycle. And you suddenly realised that S-Bahn and the U-Bahn, which is German trains and uh, underground, were completely overcrowded and beyond capacity. And it makes you aware of what capacity that cycling takes off public transport and cars. These aren't kind of in addition to other journeys. Most of the population gets around most of the time around the city centre by bike. And when that's shut off, as it was because of the ice the other systems can't cope i mean you can't have that many private cars and the ubans and trams were just packed absolutely packed and now it's gone back to normal it's very civilized so people don't cycle through the harsh winter well a few nutcases did but i mean we were talking about actually you know two or three feet of snow on the pavements black ice everywhere and just a gritted kind of single channel down the middle of the road mixing it with all the lorries in fact it felt a bit like london again <laughs> so if you were to describe your favorite bicycle ride in berlin if you were to take a day off work and and go for a ride what would what would that be matt i think a really simple direct route down karl marx alley which is the east german kind of uh, prestigious equivalent of champs elysees but with all the stalinist architecture through the middle of town on unter den linden and then what i like the best is you can actually cycle straight through the brandenburg gate you know which is the symbol of berlin and even of germany in some ways and you're not doing that as a kind of sneaky or I'm a cyclist on the pavement. You're supposed to cycle through it. It's permeable for bikes. And that just feels like extremely triumphant and, 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 and civilised that it's available for bikes. And then you're straight into the, uh, the park, which is, is lovely. I was talking there about cycling in Berlin with Matt Tempest and Helen Pidd. Now, last week was the East End Film Festival and as part of the week's events, there was an art installation um, down in Spitalfields Market. Its aim? To convey the feeling of cycling in East London. It's called East End Local Eyes and was made by Mila Lipovic, originally from Poland, but now living and working in London. I went along to Spitalfields to take a closer look and meet with the artist, and I began by asking her what was her thinking when she started making this installation. What we're trying to present is East London through the eyes of cyclists. So basically, uh, the films we are watching, cycling, uh, are films done in East London. This particular one is a trip from Victoria Park to Limehouse. And in order that, uh, for that film to play, you have to jump on the bicycle and start cycling. The faster you cycle, the faster the film is playing. Okay, well, let's uh, paint a little picture here. We've got um, a kind of... Uh, it's a big box, um, with a dark box with bicycle, static bicycle rigged up to uh, what looks like a turbo trainer that's got some trainer. additional customization. And then yeah. in front of that, there's a, there's a screen, a kind of wide screen with um, a map um, on the left hand side. And then obviously the cyclist's eye view of, of the route. And these films are films that you made yourself, right? Yes, yeah, I made them um, myself. I pre-recorded hundreds of films. I've selected uh, my favourites, the, the nicest routes, I think. Because I, I was recording films also on the busy road, but I don't think they would encourage anyone to, to, to cycling. Yeah, so what is the purpose of this, as well as being an artistic endeavour and a technical endeavour? There is mm -hmm. a desire to get people on their bikes, yeah? Yeah, that was the original idea, because I'm a cyclist myself, obviously, so I'm uh, cycling through London. I'm just discovering different bits of London, and every single time I'm thinking, oh, people are missing that because they're stuck on the bus or they're on the tube at the moment. And they just don't see that, even though it's so close to their houses or work. 
I'll get on, on this uh, contraption and you uh, talk me through what's, what's going on. Okay, so now you just have to start paddling and the film will start in a minute, in a second. Okay, so go. I'm paddling and now we're going. Okay, we're going. If I change gear, yeah, now we're in the lowest change, gear. Yeah, you can change the gear. Oh, well, that's going to put and us into a higher gear, though, a lower gear. All right. You can go a bit faster. So if I'm going a bit faster, <laughs> probably hear the turbo trainer kicking in. Oh, right, and yeah, look, we're going a bit faster now. So where are we, where are we now? Uh, that's getting closer to Limehouse, as you can see that uh, point on the on the map. Yeah. We're very close to Limehouse. And so we're going along a, a canal, is that? Yes, yes, it's a region canal. Yeah. So yeah, I don't want to go too fast along the canal because that's not very sociable, <laughs> is it? You're safe. You're safe. On, on if the... I might knock somebody into the water. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> Currently, you can go uh, twice as fast as I recorded the film because we can set up the program to to determine that. And so, how many uh, miles of uh, routes are there on the film? This film, uh, it's about three, four miles long. Yeah. You can see Canary Wharf now. It was done in February, if you are trying to think why there's not many people on the, yeah. <laughs> on the way. Nor leaves on the trees. Yeah. <laughs> it's very realistic, I have to say. And we've stopped here, I've come to a halt here with actually a rather beautiful freeze frame here with um, the, the kind of low winter light coming down through, through the trees, the bare trees, and then reflecting off the, off the water. That's rather impressionistic, you're getting a bit of lens flare there. I mean, yeah. were, were there particular iconic images as, that, you, that you as a cyclist have experienced that you tried to recreate um, in making these films? Well, I particularly like um, the canals closer to Limehouse where you can see the boats and, and very nice building. This is just like showing uh, diversity of East London because starting in uh, Victoria Park is just like kind of rough area but later on you end up in something looking very very nice so I like that Limehouse and Wapping. I was talking there with Mila Lipovic whose work East End Localize is unfortunately no longer on display uh, it's only up for a week but she told me she'd love to show it again somewhere but so far she's not had any offers at all and, and that can't be right because it's actually rather good so if it's something you think you can help with do get in touch with her and I'll put a link to the website where you can read more about the work, including all the technical information um, about how it was made. And I'll put a link to that on The Bike Show's website. That's www.thebikeshow.net. One place that Miller might go to ask for help with her project is Sustrans, the sustainable transport charity, which, among a lot of other things that they do, is responsible for the National Cycle Network, which these days runs to um, over 12,000 miles of traffic-free cycling and walking paths across the UK. I was quite surprised to find out that Sustrans is amongst the biggest commissioners of public art anywhere in the country. And I recently met with Katie Hallett, who runs Sustrans's art programme, and I asked her what was the role of art in promoting cycling and walking. I think working with artists uh, brings another dimension, really, to the National Cycle Network. Sustrans main focus is to persuade people to shift their behaviour away from motorised vehicles and to consider walking and cycling. So we make the um, primary project we're working on is the National Cycle Network. So we're creating the facilities where people can walk and cycle. 
and then we're also persuading them that it's a good idea so we're wanting to shift behavior as well and we also lobby uh, the government and, and councillors and so on so the artists we work with both to make physical structures and interesting things make destinations make uh, additions to the national cycle network and we also work with artists to do programs to to um, work in schools to run arts programs and workshops and and to persuade people to show people to illuminate uh, principles about uh, travel about certain aspects of the environment about how people move around and to generally um, uh, sort of raise awareness of, of the issues that we're, uh, we're involved in in terms of specific pieces what have been kind of the greatest hits what are the things that you're proudest of um, well gosh there's a lot I mean I'd say go to the website uh, which is uh, sustrans.org.uk and go into the arts page. Um, a huge number of different things. We've got a linear orchard down in Somerset with, with pairs of old English apple trees every half mile. So as you cycle along between uh, Bath uh, to Radstock to Froome, you're passing probably nearly 100 apple trees uh, and, and all the old varieties, which of course aren't available in the common or garden supermarket because, um, for, you know, so that these delicious apples are no longer so they're they're, they're uh, fruit to refresh yourself as you travel as well uh, another one um the gene uh, on uh the route between uh, out of cambridge to addenbrookes where the gene bracker 2 10257 stripes along that path which are the very is the code for that particular gene which gives the character of that particular gene and as you cycle you're cycling over one of 33000 genes in every cell in your body um there's drinking fountains on the bath bristol path with an old uh, roman uh, figurehead who's drinking and you can put your head underneath the the where the bottle is turned up and have your own drink and this figurehead is about uh, nine feet tall so it's a it's a memorable place it's almost equidistant between bath and bristol there are always people children uh, old people Everybody standing there, sitting there, having a rest and, and, and drinking water. Um, and that's what three projects of about uh, 300 that we have across the route. Is it possible to come up with some criteria in commissioning about what makes a good piece of public art for Sustrans? Yes, the main thing I think is where, as an individual who is experiencing the artwork, that you actually sort of engage with it in a very physical way. So as you walk across the genome, or as you bend over to drink from this old Roman soldier, or or as you travel between the the apple trees and you can pick the apples and taste them from about uh, sort of seven or eight months of the year, there will be apples that are ripe. Uh, many others, earthworks uh, up in the north, Andy Goldsworthy's great worm, which is nearly about a quarter of a mile long um, and you can travel across the top of it it's a place you would remember you'd never forget where it is so as you actually engage with the artwork you are taken on a particular journey the willow walk in Somerset with all the willow on the flat lands down by Glastonbury and you go through tunnels and undulate through different plantations and different varieties of the willows so you know as you travel you actually become part of the artwork and I think that's one of the, the key things and talking to children young people what they really like is to be able to climb to walk to engage with the piece and of course the more you know about something the more you like it and so that's uh, you know what the meaning behind the work is is very critical too and do you think that creativity and cycling go hand in hand 
Oh, yes, <laughs> I would say that. But, I mean, of course, uh, you know, artists provide a, a, an enormous uh, number of, of uh, complementary aspects to walking and cycling. I mean, they help to interpret the landscape. They help as navigational aids. If you've got somewhere, it's a marker so you can see how far else you've got to go. They become, um, you know, they make a particular path distinctive. So many of our paths have a particular character because of the artworks there. In, in uh, the Chilterns, they're all timber. In Spen Valley, they're all metalwork um, in uh, other areas um, there's a whole lot of marker posts on the Wandle which shows uh, d- different aspects of the Wandle trail bridges and viewing platforms and so on so so when we're looking at a particular path you're trying to see what it is about that path that could have some special sort of feature or meaning which which can um, make that path special so we want to welcome people onto the path so they remember the path they want to use it they want to tell their friends and uh, so on so and do you think the, the very act of cycling is closely related to creative thought, original thought? Because there has been some discussion of that and it may explain why a lot of people who make art also ride bikes. Maybe they haven't got much money and so it's a cheap <laughs> get way of getting around. But I think there's something deeper than that about cycling and walking, I suppose. But particularly cycling being a certain kind of experience that's very attractive to people who whose lives are touching creativity well they do suggest i think there is some research at the moment about how uh, when people are moving they are thinking more effectively and more creatively and certainly we've been working with an artist annika trell who's been looking at that particularly and uh, which in a way you know when you're in a in a classroom where everyone is the children are supposed to sit behind their desks that's probably one of the least receptive ways of learning and I think when you're actually moving in the act of moving, walking, cycling, you're actually likely to be thinking in a more creative and a more positive and a more productive way. So I think there is a lot of crossovers and, and it's an area that we want to explore. That was Katie Hallett of Sustrans. And in a few weeks' time, I'll be taking a closer look at one of the more conceptual art projects that Sustrans has been funding. It's exactly two and a half months until this year's Dunwich Dynamo, which takes place on the 24th of July. I love the Dunwich Dynamo and I think that after last year's ride, which saw more than a thousand people riding overnight from Hackney, 120 miles to the Suffolk coastal town of Dunwich, this year is going to be enormous. The bike show first covered the ride back in 2004 and here's a little taste of what it's like. Okay, this is uh, midday on the, the day of the Dunwich Dynamo, so... Just getting ready with a big uh, big pot of pasta. Here it is, bubbling away. It's just what you need. A little bit stressed, actually, because I've never done this before. And uh, I don't know if I brought too much stuff, but What, what, what sort of stuff have you brought? Um, Kitchen sinks. I've got a swimming costume. Swimming costume, yeah. For tomorrow at the beach. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then some leg warmers and some bananas. I'm counting on uh, flapjacks. Uh, mockery from my friends and uh, the lure of the sea really you're riding a Brompton today yeah it's uh, probably slightly foolish but uh, it's the only bike I have so it'd be a shame to miss it I've got a nine bar which is a hemp seed based uh, flapjack
Uh, not since I was a kid have I ever ridden in at night before. But no, it's something really surreal about it. When it's pitch black, and all you can see are the stars and the moon, and 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 all you can. What's the interesting thing is all you can see uh, for a long, long way down the road are all these flickering red lights in the distance, and it's and it's so quiet and it's pitch black, and you've only got your your like headlights if you like to you know keep the route illuminated. So it's. Yeah, it's very, very different, and it's good fun. I'm really enjoying it. It's been nice. It's been really, the moon's been out. The the wind's been behind us mostly, and um, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Uh, five to five in the morning, just clocked up 100 miles. About 17 to go. It's beautiful, <laughs> and I'm from Australia. I mean, I swim in Australian seas. But this is actually quite warm. You know, a lot of the, the stuff about bike riding is overcomplicated. You know, you have to pay 50 quid and you have to have a transponder. You know, that, that's not necessary. You know, just get on your bike and, you know, there's the road, ride it. Why don't we do it in Rome? sounds there of the Dunwich Dynamo, the bike ride that is to the London to Brighton, what Resonance FM is to BBC Radio 4. If you're planning on riding the Dynamo for the first time, I want to hear from you. I'd like to assemble a little panel of Dunwich debutantes, if you like, and in the next few weeks we're going to be talking a little bit more about how to get ready for a ride which, for most people, and I would certainly include myself, is a real challenge the first time you do it. So please get in touch, send an email to bikeshow at resonancefm.com, that's bikeshow at resonancefm.com, or um, send a tweet, if you like, to The Bike Show. And I've promised many times to do a better job of uh, telling you what music you've been listening to on The Bike Show, and um, you heard just then, Why Don't We Do It In The Road, a cover by Lowell Fulsom, and before that, of course, Here Comes The Night by Them, Van Morrison and um, at the head of the show you heard a really fantastic track um, a hard to find one called Wheels by Warren Barker and uh, thanks to bike show listener Ray Coffey for sending that one in well that's about it for this week thanks for listening it's great to be back for the first show in the new season and um, see you out on the roads goodbye goodbye